Hello and welcome to Newspeak. Uh, I'm here, very pleased to say, as usual, with Rafe Hadelman-Ku, our senior fellow and royal commentator, and Amy Gallagher, uh, the SDP candidate for London, and uh, also the woman behind Stand Up to Woke. Uh, before we talk about the week's news and generally what's made us very, very angry, uh, just a couple of notices, actually. Um, you know, our locals' events are going very, very well, um, and we've been starting up groups all over the country. Well, there are two uh, events, one happening imminently, I might add, um, which I wanted to tell you about. Uh, first of all, uh, tomorrow, that's Sunday, tomorrow, that is the 11th um, of uh, February, uh, we're uh, in Birmingham. There is going to be a social meetup of the Birmingham group to which you are invited. Uh, if you'd like to go along to that, best thing to do is to email, as usual, locals at newcultureforum.org.uk and they will give you the uh, details of where to go and when but it is free all of our events are free uh, and it is tomorrow it's a rather short notice um, but uh, perhaps if you're in Birmingham uh, you'd like to go along to that um, a little bit along the line on the 18th of February which is uh, again a Sunday um, and again free in Norwich uh, the group there will be hosting a speech by Paul Embry, the writer and commentator. He's going to be talking to them about his book, Despised, Why the Modern Left Loathes the Working Class. It was a, a bestseller, actually. I think that will be fascinating. That's in our Norwich branch, and that is on Sunday, the 18th of Feb. Again, if you would like to go to that, please get in touch with us, uh, write to locals at newcultureforum.org.uk. Uh, now, first things first, uh, just as we were recording this yesterday, there was a launch of a yet another conservative group, this one called PopCon, or Popular Conservatives. It seems to be a little bit uh, of a uh, uh, confusion here because it's being headed up by Liz Truss, uh, which wouldn't necessarily bring the word popular to mind straight away. but. Um, Rafe, what is this all about? Is this some kind of, this is a new sect of what, Tory MPs? Yeah, if you were to Google the, the expression, you know, rearranging the decks on the Titanic, I think a picture of <laughs> popular conservatives would probably <laughs> pop up. I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolutely desperate attempt to try to remain relevant and try to finally, in the last embers of this government, try to, to appeal to the voters that they've betrayed for, for, for a decade. Uh, so basically they're trying to go for all of the issues that we here discuss and they're trying to pretend that they're actually serious about addressing the cultural issues that affect all of right. us along with, with, with tax and so forth. But the sheer nonsense of having uh, the, the people who are the, the, the poster children for this, you know, you have um, Liz Truss, all right? Liz Truss is not a conservative. Liz Truss is a, a liberal democrat republican uh, she's always been a liberal democrat. She's now a, a neoliberal um, free market ideologue and has never shown any interest in conserving British culture or our communities. And the fact that she's appointed the person to run this popular conservatism, her old liberal democrat friend Mark Littlewood of the Institute of Economic Affairs, just goes to show how out of touch she is. Now Mark Littlewood's a very nice person, we've had him on the show, I like him, but he's not somebody who understands the cultural issues that are affecting this country. He's another person who is exclusively interested in, in, in tax and regulations and mm. economics 
rather than actually culture. And it's a sort of economics that's proven to be so damaging to our culture. And we know that both he and uh, Liz Truss still favor mass immigration as a means mm. to boost the economy. And people forget that Liz Truss, as prime minister, wanted to increase immigration. Mm. Mm. So how she can propose herself as being a popular conservative when she's doing, uh, you know, she believes in precisely the wrong things to the rest of the public is, is you know, is beyond me. You also have Jacob Rees-Mogg, who, yes, he's a cultural conservative and a social conservative, but again, he's another free marketeer a a extremist who believes in uh, Britain becoming Singapore on sea, with all that that entails, and he's never really spoken about immigration until very recently, and I also don't believe he actually really seriously talks no. about reducing immigration. They have a four-point plan, and it's so telling the phrasing that's used. The first of those points is to control our borders. Well, that's no different to take back control. And we saw control our borders doesn't mean limit immigration. It just means we will decide, and we know what they're going to decide. It'll be just the same as we've seen. It should be to stop immigration, mm. obviously. And every other one of these policies, I think, is just nonsensical. And you know, people who were touted originally were quasi Kwarteng. All of these are the old characters who basically are the old neoliberals who would basically quite happily build a motorway through a pastoral landscape if it made sense, despite mm -hmm. the fact they might displace communities. Yes, I think that they had this thing, robust control of our, uh, of our borders, and then also lower tax, no regulation, mm -hmm. and then also no to the nanny state. Mm -hmm. That was another one. Um, but frankly, it's sin gruel, isn't it? I mean, what, you know, this won't have registered with most people shortly. No, I mean, I saw an interview of Liz Truss and she was being asked about what pop conservatism is and she said it's taking on left-wing ideology. And you think, well, isn't that what all conservative governments do? Or meant to. Yeah, yeah, meant to. I mean, that's not a new idea, is it? I think the timing of this seems very curious. I mean, in some ways it's far too late. It's coming at a time when they're about to lose a general election and we've had 14 years of a conservative government. Mm. And in other ways, it's far too early. You would expect something like this to um, come up after they'd lost an election where they might want to rethink about what, what what they are as a party and, mm. and how they want to brand themselves going forward. It seems very strange that they would do that now. And I think you're right in terms of if, if there was to be a populist or popular movement within the Conservative Party, you would think that it would be that the, the biggest issue would be immigration. That is the populist popular mm. Mm. Um, concern. Mm. And we have Liz Truss and, and Mark Littlewood who both advocate for free movement and, mm. and free, free mm. markets. and, and you know, even already that they, they seem to be um, very careful about what they say about immigration. So I don't think this is populist at all, actually. Also, I can't see them being the sort of people, who, as you say, who would take on left-wing ideologues. I mean, mm. you know, the Tory party generally doesn't, but they particularly, it's a cultural issue, <laughs> broadly speaking. They just, you know, they've always just been worried about the bottom line. It's just the bottom line to them. And I think there's something really interesting here because there's another new group that was formed called the New Conservatives, uh. where you have people like Miriam Cates, who talks about pronatalism, encouraging, you know, um, more children to be born in this country, tackling the whole gender critical sort of issues. Um, also, uh, James, well, I forget his name now, but there's other, uh, South Africa Kruger, mm. uh, Danny Kruger also d doing this. Now, they're cl more closely aligned with our values, although even for them, they think immigration should be at 200,000. Uh, but ignoring that side, they're at least willing to try to reduce immigration down to that level, even though it's still too high. Why haven't these chaps allied with the new conservatives? Because that's actually, they're the most representative of the cultural issues we, our viewers mm, are concerned mm. about. And I think it's because 
they don't want to have immigration down to 200,000. Mm. I think that's the rate. The, there's no other reason I can, I can think of why they wouldn't just have joined, unless it's egos. Liz Truss wanted to have her own thing. But I think that's very telling because there is a body they could have joined if they really were, were concerned about this stuff. It's a big smokescreen. It's just another way to keep themselves you know, in, in, in some sort of power after this election by trying to reform and hoodwink once again the Tory membership. Because remember, and I, you know, the Tory membership needs to take the blame here. Liz Truss posed herself as Margaret Thatcher, sitting in a tank, doing, wearing the same outfits, and somehow managed to convince Tory member voters that she was a true conservative when everything she's done has been anti-conservative. And so, yeah, much like Boris Johnson convinced people that he mm. was a true conservative. And I think the Tory membership need to take part of the blame for falling to such superficial visuals and not optics. And, and, the thing, and I think they think they can do it. I think this trust thinks she can do it once again. Don't you think as well? I mean, it always struck me when people say, oh, she was rejected because of you know, what she said and economic crisis it brought on. I always felt that actually it was also because she was so clearly out of her depth. You know, that this was someone who was prime minister. If you forget, she actually was prime minister. You know, the poor yeah. late queen, that was the last politician she was gonna meet, wasn't it? I mean, but basically she was, she was just rubbish at the, yeah. even at the present, you felt she couldn't get through an argument. I think, I think many people felt that she was underqualified even to be foreign secretary, let alone yes. prime minister. Um, and we've seen this week, um, Kwasi Kwarteng has, has said that he will no longer run as an MP going forward. And obviously he was sacked by Liz Truss. So it kind of just shows the sort of, um, you know, the aftermath of, of her, her, her prime ministership. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think she has any credibility. And um, I, I just think, you know, the idea of starting up something like this when we're facing a general election, the whole idea of, will be to show a degree of unity within the Tory party and have a consensus around what they are for and what they believe in. We actually see they're fragmenting more and more. Just shows that they are, they're all in it for themselves. They're not thinking about the broader cause or the broader mm. party. Mm. Actually, they're all trying to scramble to have their say. And it's just going to weaken the Tory party going forward in the election. I mean, when you look at it, actually, yeah, when you, when you look at this and you sort of think, right, how can you, you can't assume that they don't care about these things. How can you have a launch of something like this where, wherein you do not refer at all, even obliquely, to the mass demonstrations we've had over the past couple of months and all the things that they have highlighted. And just this week and last week, this guy, Adizi, throwing acid over people. And then we all find out that he, he was actually given assignment and, and all of this. And the shocking things that that also highlights. I can guarantee none of this would have occurred to them. No, I mean, for Nigel Farage attended this conference and he's obviously been someone who's backed Liz Truss and seems to want to form some kind of partnership with her in some ways. But even he commented that throughout the conference there was very little reference to immigration. So, you know, yeah. it, it, they, they are out of touch. Yes, and, uh, and they're not socially conservative, no. that's the thing. And they don't really understand and they still don't grasp, mm. even at this late stage, uh, what the public are interested about. Yes, and you're quite right. I mean, I, I don't know why Nigel Farage, who is the most charismatic leader since Thatcher would want to ally himself with such an, an incompetent nincompoop as Liz Truss, you know, who's probably best place to be a primary school headmistress because at least that's an audience that she can talk to at an equal level. But I mean, everything that you see her talk about is just so benign and it's just so banal and mundane, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you remember when she first came to prominence 
at a Tory conference when she got so animated yeah. over cheese. <laughs> and I thought, yes. who is this person? Little did I realise she was going to become Prime Minister of one Actually, of the G7. <laughs> and there was another instance, do you remember, when she was Foreign Secretary, where she sort of said, if people want to go to fight, in uh, Ukraine, yeah, go. Don't you remember? It's not what you expect from a foreign secretary, no, is it? It's not no. like maybe from uh, what's the guy, the footballer guy, you know, Joey Barton, but not somehow <laughs> or other from uh, someone who aspires to a great office of state. Uh, well, anyway, Nigel, it has to be said, was there yesterday uh, in capacity as GB News presenter. But um, but again, <clears throat> I think what was it? Uh, somebody, Tim Stanley in the Telegraph said, uh, you know. Inviting him to that was a bit like inviting Marilyn Monroe to your wedding. <laughs> uh, basically, all the you know attention. And sure enough, it was on him. Apparently, quite yeah. quite quite, quite rightly. Um, <clears throat> not to be too frivolous about this, but I just mentioned there this guy Azidi Abdul Azidi, um, who we don't know, by the way, whether he is on the run or even dead. Actually, uh, some people say he might have died, but he's just disappeared, and the police were offering this ransom of 20,000 to somebody who frankly you know is seriously disfigured uh, has got half his face falling off uh, you think it would be easier to find him um, I was wondering that the way that basically this has been talked about on the media and indeed by certain politicians I might add has been to frame it entirely as a kind of masculinity uh, misogyny issue I mean it's been quite nauseating to watch um, I'm thinking of Newsnight yes, in particular yeah. the clip on it. and uh, basically that was with Caroline Noakes yeah. I believe and and a Labour politician I don't know her name um, but the whole thing was to take the whole emphasis off the, the facts of this situation wasn't it yeah, so this issue was obviously about an, an asylum seeker whose claim was rejected twice and then went on to commit a sexual assault. And then af after that, remarkably, his asylum claim was accepted and then he went on to attack this woman. But on Newsnight, um, they made the whole conversation about microaggressions. Mm. Firstly, the fact that Newsnight, that the BBC are legitimising this term microaggressions, which is absolutely mm. such a nonsense mm. term. It can mean anything from raising an eyebrow or rolling your eyes is, is nonsense. I mean. If a man rolls his eyes at me, I couldn't care less. I, I roll my eyes at men sometimes. It doesn't—it's mm. a non-event. It's got nothing to do with, you know, an acid attack or, or, or serious violence. Yes. And secondly, what they're doing is they're conflating these so-called, you know, small issues that are, are totally irrelevant, with kind of broader things like an acid attack, and just putting it all under this umbrella of kind of toxic masculinity or, or patriarchy. Mm. I mean, in some senses, they are right. It, it is an issue of patriarchy, but not Western patriarchy. We mm. don't have a patriarchy in the West. If anything, we're slightly culturally tilted towards favouring women. Where, where there are real patriarchies is the country where this asylum seeker came from, which is Afghanistan, mm. which is ruled by the Taliban, where um, w females can't have any education after the age of 11. Women aren't allowed in public spaces or in workspaces. That's a patriarchy, yeah. um, but there's no discussion of that. It, it's all, it, it's all, you know, all this overarching idea of patriarchy, and it's all conflated. Um, and they won't, they, they don't want to talk about the fact that this, this is an issue of, of, of immigration and and illegal immigration. This man came across illegally um, under a lorry, I believe. That's right. Um, yeah. But, but also, surely, it's uh, not just immigration, but they don't want to have to make cultural value judgments, do they? Yeah, this story has made made me so angry because of the reaction. 
and you know, and, and you mentioned microaggressions. That was spoken about by Caroline Noakes, conservative member mm, of mm, parliament. Mm. We had Gillian Keegan, a conservative mm. secretary of state, saying this is not about the asylum system. This is about wider misogyny. We had two senior police officers saying this, and then we had Nazir Afzal, this former police commissioner, who even said previously to that that the Manchester Arena bombing wasn't an Islamic terrorist problem, it was an attack on women and girls. This is the mindset. And if you ever wanted proof that we have, we have rotten, a rotten conservative party, but also that our entire political class are bad faith actors mm. because they're completely disingenuous, they know exactly what's going on, they're not brave enough to talk about it. And when Caroline Oakes was talking about microaggressions, you had the host of this program, supposed to be a serious journalist, uh, Kathy Walk, whatever her name is. Mm. She didn't That's challenge right. any of this sort of a thing. And mm. you think, what's going on in this culture where people don't realize this is not about wider misogyny, this is about honor cultures. Mm. You know, acid attacks are historically from South Asia, and I include Afghanistan because it borders on Pakistan. This is about the, the honor, literally losing your face, you know, as, mm. as a sign of dishonor, as melting your face off. You know, yes, we, we did have, in the Victorian era, we did have a spate of acid attacks in this country, so there are some people who are from here who do it. But, you know, Britain has become the global center mm. of acid attacks. Imagine that, something you associate with Bangladesh and Pakistan, mm. we are now the global center of that. It's not indigenous Brits who are doing it. I think it's about 20% are, are white people, white Europeans, not even white British. We don't know where in the world the white people come from. But the rest of them are from these honor cultures. And we need to be brave enough to talk about this because it's also the reason we have forced marriages. It's also the reason you have uh, honor killings. These are all part of the same uh, misogynistic patriarchal cultures, as Amy was saying, and it's down to honor and it's down to these very, very backwards cultures. And we need to be brave enough to talk about it. And it's a disgrace that no one has. You know, uh, actually, you can add to that list uh, female genital mutilation. Mm. Uh, the NCF actually did a report on that about 10 years ago, <clears throat> which actually had an effect on the way the government looked at the figures. Uh, they were saying something at the time, like 10,000 women and girls were at risk from this, um, I remember. And we did a, such a thorough report on it. And, it, uh, and then it was revised to 168,000 were at risk. But that was then. And do you know how many prosecutions for FGM have there been? No. I think there's been one. Really? I think there's been one in that time. This is something that is, is carried out, which is one of these cultural uh, practices. And again, what is it? It actually is a single law. There is a law against this it, thing. This is the contradiction of illegal, of le illegal and legal immigration. Nobody wants to talk about it. It goes against women's rights, the rights of, of girls, and and often gay rights as well. Yeah, and these uh, are the groups that the left care, claim to care about, but they're quite happy to throw them under the bus. And when we see these these Tory MPs, you know, talking about microaggressions, it's this very liberal kind of bourgeois type of feminism, which wants to mm. focus on the fact that they once experienced a man being rude to them or, or you know, push past them. And they don't want to talk about things like the grooming gang scandal, which did see, you know, mm. girls, that is real misogyny of, of girls being raped by, by Pakistani men because of immigration. That's something they don't want to talk about. But that is exactly the same kind of issue that they make, that they, where they triangulate like that, yeah. isn't it? They say, but in fact, you know, this is actually uh, just about violence men. between men and women. Yeah. I think that it is sickening. I think Constantine Kissin uh, wrote and then did a piece basically just why I hate these people. And I think it actually was about this, mm. which was just, 
you know you say it made you really angry it is the sheer the sheer well to use the modern phrase gaslighting going on you know oh. that they actually are just lying and they're putting it in front of us they're the same people who did this about the rape gangs right so these are people mm. who are allowing these practices to carry on mm. it's not just you know that's the whole purpose they could actively shut down all of this whether it's rape whether these horrific attacks on people yeah. and they are allowing it to continue for the sake of diversity and community cohesion and that's why I think they should be held to account they should lose their jobs they should lose their pensions and they should be imprisoned there was actually if you remember another example similar to this similar but not the same uh, with when Sir David Amis was killed yeah. um, that the political class was then just endlessly talked about social media didn't it mm. and the dangers of social media um, as opposed to actually what it was about uh, which was this guy this Islamist trying to, to, to murder We had the same thing with Mike Freer the yes. MC yeah. MP who <coughs> stepped down because of death threats and arson attacks and mm. almost dying with the same chapter was killed by Amos yeah. and what did the Speaker of the House of Commons Lindsay Hall say we have to be more civil to each other as MPs in Parliament mm. well What's, sorry, did you not hear yes. the question, you know? Mm, terrible. Um, speaking of social media, actually, something that was quite interesting, because there's been a report from Sweden mm. that you alerted me to, actually, uh, actually um, about how, basically, social, I say social media, technology generally um, is doing great harm to children. That The Swedish report was talking about how in schools it was actually far worse than the traditional kind of rote learning and reading and writing and handwriting and all of these things by a teacher but also alongside this there has been there have been moves particularly in the wake of the death of this uh, Brianna Gay yeah. um, to actually restrict people young people from actually going on social media at all I don't know how you know in America I think apparently mm -hmm. isn't it right yeah. there actually are um, laws that are going through mm -hmm to actually do this, to restrict kids from actually looking at social media until what, the age of 16 or something? Yeah, this is one of those issues that um, we haven't really kind of reckoned with as a country, but we've just allowed mm. these technological advances to happen. And I think because it's an issue that doesn't really fit into the culture wars and it, it's not really a left or right issue. No, it's exactly it's not. No, no. Then we don't really take it seriously. No. Actually, it's very serious. And what, what, what is needed is a cross-party proper dis nuanced discussion about how we, we manage this. We know, as you say, there's, there's evidence showing now that we know that technology in schools um, affects attention spans. You know, kids get... Um, used to kind of clicks and likes and, and short-term, you know, very short-term mm. short kind of attention. And it also ha has an effect on speech development as well. And then alongside that, we know from Jonathan Haidt that there's been a psychologist, American psychologist, that there's been a sharp um, uh, in increase in, in suicidality and self-harm in young girls and that, that that is correlates to increased social media yeah. use. So this is having a really corrosive effect on our culture. It's also affecting family life. You know, it's, mm. it's causing a lot of arguments in the home and then kids not wanting to, you know, interact with their, their family, not wanting to sit at the table, wanting to be on their phones all the time. So this is a big, you know, cultural issue that affects all of us and not just children, adults as well. 
Um, but you know, Mir Miriam Cates has been speaking about it, um, mm. and a few other prominent people have been speaking about it. And, and as you said, China and Sweden are both rolling back on social media and screens mm. in schools because they know it's actually not educationally. China. Yes, China are. They've realised it's not. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's affecting mm. learning. Whereas we, our, our schools are very much sort of pro-screen, pro-technology, um, and actually there's a lot of evidence that it's affecting learning. Also, actually, some of the people who manufacture this stuff and invented it, i.e. the big tech, tech uh, giants, they make sure their kids stay away from screens, don't they? Which tells you everything you need yeah. to know. <coughs> I mean, the first thing is we have to say, look, children need to understand technology to be able to survive in the future. You know, they're far more savvy than we are. So we're not, we're not Luddites saying that they shouldn't have, you know, access to computers and so forth. But yeah, it's quite telling. I mean, on the school setting, you know, we've now had the, your, your A-levels, your GCSEs can now be done, you know, there'll be no more writing, they'll be done on keyboards. When I was at school, you know, it was the actual physical act of writing mm. throughout the year. And then for your exams, rewriting your notes in a condensed format, that's how you actually learn. I suppose this began with the calculators in, in class, right? It's not the fact that you, you, you're always gonna have a calculator, it's just what happens to your brain by having to go through those processes that develops the, those abilities. That's, that's what we're losing. And on the, on the issue of social media, look, that, you know, social media companies invest billions of pounds to make them as addictive as possible mm -hmm. because the more screen time, the more advertising revenue they get. So everything is designed to actually keep you engaged. That's hard enough as an adult, but when you're a child, it's particularly damaging when you have self-esteem issues, you're trying to discover yourself and you, you put on pictures of yourself on Instagram and you get a dopamine hit every time there's a like or a comment. And that is an addiction no different to gambling or to drug addiction. And we need to be, understand how really damaging that is. And Amy's quite right, Jonathan Heights, looking at the, the rates of suicide amongst young girls. You know, we've got decades of evidence on this. You know, it used to be that uh, women and gay men were the most likely to have body dysmorphia mm -hmm. and so forth, because gay magazines and women's magazines always had the most fit models on their covers. Everything was perfect about them, and that caused this. Now our children are seeing these TikTok videos. No one has a bad picture on their profile and everyone is seeing these curated images thinking that's what everyone is every day of the week and that's causing such harm to people. Plus we know that bullying has migrated from the playground where it was only between yeah. school hours. Now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. It's available online. It's hugely damaging. I think perhaps, Pina, I understand parents want to have their kids on mobile phones mm. because it's safe for them. I think there should be new mobile phones designed that don't have access to social media accounts and those can be available to children i would say under the age of 14 perhaps rather than 16. <coughs> do you think it's something that we are also prone to do you i mean do you think let's be quite frank about this are you addicted to social media a little bit yeah so what are you addicted <laughs> to what i think having to check um you know in the mornings and ch check twitter and check yeah. the news we, we get you know, we get this 24 news cycle now don't we where we're always wanting to to know what the latest news is where before we wouldn't have that and i do feel a bit anxious if i haven't looked at my phone for a certain length of time i sort of feel like well, am, I, am i missing something so basically um, you check the news like on a regular basis yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't use I don't use Instagram or, or Facebook or anything like that too much. But there is a kind of a sense of you know that 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 kind of news comes out so quickly and there's reactions to it so quickly that if you're not checking, you're going to miss out on something. 
and, and there's so much information now. You know, how do you keep up? There's so mm. much, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I feel a little bit, do you have, a little do, bit. Do you think you have dop dop dopamine, dopamine hits? Yeah, that's why I think it's so dangerous for children. Because if mm. we, in, in our, you know, in our, at our age, can see these, these issues affecting us to some degree or another, I mean, for Facebook, I never put political postings on it. It's just a place for me to see what my family and my friends are doing around the world. So I think there's a useful place for that sort of thing. Mm. Grandmothers like to see what their grandchildren in Spain mm. or Australia are doing, you know. Uh, but when it comes to the, the more public-facing things like Instagram and Twitter, I think that's where there's, there's a great deal of problem. But, you know, even us, it affects with our attention spans. You know, mm. in the old yes. days, I used to love every week sitting down with a, you know, gin and tonic or a glass of wine and the spectator and would read it cover to cover. Now I look at it online and I don't get the same pleasure because I don't read them mm -hmm. like a novel or a story. I just sort of sc scan through and nothing really sinks in the way that it used to. You know, it's funny with Spectator. <clears throat> when I used to read it, you know, now, after, particularly after the unbelievable leader they did this week on immigration, there's even less, less reason to read it. But I remember going from a couple of shops saying, oh, have you got the Spectator in? You know, and mm. they didn't have it. Whereas now, of course, it's absolutely instantaneous. There it is on the phone, not even at your computer. On the phone, you don't have to wait or anything at all. I mean, on the one hand, you sort of think, wow, this is amazing, isn't it? But on the other hand, you think, what actual damage is this doing? I mean, when was the last time you read a novel? I never read novels. Oh, yeah. But the one thing I would say, though, is that yeah. in the old days, you just used to watch the 6 p.m. or 10 o'clock news and read the newspaper in the morning. Now yeah, yeah, it's yeah. constant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What about you? Do you read? Yeah, I d well, not for a while, not for about a year, but I, I, I need to actually. But mm. yeah, it is, it is about something about, you don't value the information as much. As you say, when a spectator article comes up, you're mm. just kind of, you want to get the gist of the article, you want to kind of scan mm. read it, you want to mm. get the headline. Whereas there isn't that kind of leisurely experience of sitting down and enjoying something. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, the spect spectator does still sell a paper copy, but I think it's, it sells a... Uh, well, I'm not sure what sales are doing. Yeah, sales are very good, actually. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, it's doing very well. It's doing oh, very, very well. But Maybe I mean, obviously, papers aren't. Yeah, you know. yeah. But uh, I think with kids, I mean, in some ways, when you see them on their phone, you just something instinctively says, "This is basically on on balance." not a good thing you know it's also habit forming right yeah. it's those early years whether it's taking your kids to mcdonald's at the age of four or five or giving them these phones those habits set in for life so if you can limit people's screen time that's why some of these american laws are very good actually coming mm. in on the on the state level i can't imagine biden doing it but one of the one of the pieces of legislation says of course nothing before the age of 16 and it, 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 social media companies must delete your your uh, apps and stuff but also no screen time between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. And it's, it's all age verified, so you literally mm. can't use it so you can get a proper night's mm. sleep. Mm. Yes. In fact, it's Florida where is this is possibly coming in. Yeah, it's coming in in Florida where social media companies will be forced by law to put an age restriction on. So so you have to enter your ID and if you're if you're below a certain age, you won't be able to access the right. social media. And also, I think uh, the New York City mayor is... Yes. Um, also yeah. put some warning telling people that under 14 shouldn't be accessing uh, social media and it's it's kind of a yeah you know a serious uh, health issue yes it's a hazard yes, public, it's a health hazard. Hazard. Yes, public health hazard which is yeah. extraordinary yeah. actually in america actually of all places it's the sort of thing you'd think would have it so i'm i'm assuming that the new pop cons 
would have none of this, would they? They, they think of this as being utter res restriction, mm. wouldn't they? And you know. yeah, maybe, yeah. But yeah. I don't think I think the new conservatives would be in favour of it. But I think this is more this is more libertarian yeah. type of thing. Mm, yeah. I think overall, I think it really shows where libertarianism falls down in terms of children because it just doesn't apply to children. You, mm. you can't just have complete mm. freedom when it comes to a child accessing all sorts of things on the internet. Anyway, so there you have it. Stay off social media. Except, except course, for YouTube. Yes, except for <laughs> YouTube. Oh, yeah, sorry. Except for this, and indeed our only fan site, which is great. Um, so, and Amazon uh, it this week. So, please, uh, you know, do do have a look at that, won't you? Uh, thanks very much, Henry. Thanks, thanks, thanks Ray. Uh, And we shall uh, see you next week. Okay. In the meantime, have a good week. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.